Welcome to The Coaching Podcast with your hosts, Emma Doyle and Simon Blair, coach for success in sport and business. G'day, everybody, and welcome to The Coaching Podcast. I'm here with Dr. Nandi, and super excited to have you on the show. She's just a wealth of executive coaching and so much background that we'll throw in the show notes, and we're going to get straight into it. So have you tried the Australian spread Vegemite? Have you have you tried the, you know, have you heard of it? Have you tried it? Yes, no. People either love it or hate it. What's your take? I have heard of the spread Vegemite. I was actually delivering a coaching training program for managers in Sydney, Australia um, for my former employer, and they showed it to me and I politely declined. So I have not tried it, but I know right about it. And I just wasn't sure. And I thought I wouldn't take a chance. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, because you answered that way, the follow-up question is now that you can choose because you haven't tried Vegemite. You can either choose your worst coaching moment and what with the lessons or your best coaching moment and what with the lessons or give us one of each go on why not mm-hmm. I remember my my worst coaching moment I had a client who was in a terribly emotional space like really just needed someone to show up and to be a listener and to be a compassionate listener and witness uh, to what they were experiencing. And we were also focusing on their goals and things that they wanted to accomplish to really push forward in their life and in their career. And I chose the latter. I chose to lean into the area of focusing on their goals, helping them pull themselves together so that they could take the steps forward that they were looking uh, to move toward. And I missed that opportunity. And I'll never forget it because I never miss the opportunity again. Mm -hmm. I always sit with people as that compassionate listener for whatever you're going through because you have to go through it. There is no going around it, above it, underneath it. At some point, our experiences catch up to us. And so it's worth it to sit with the pain and sit with the feelings in the moment. Um, There's even some research that says all feelings will pass within 90 seconds if you allow them to. But so much of of our lives and of Western society is about how can we push through it? And so I have decided to let that go uh, and to focus in on how do I actually hold the space and hold that compassion before we step forward and decide on a course of action. I love that. I love Mm -hmm. that. And have you got a best coaching moment as well that you could share? I would say my best coaching moment, and then I'll put them maybe all in in the same category. My best coaching moments have been um, in using the Enneagram, which is my preferred assessment of choice, um, because it's all about uh, a development map. How do I actually locate where I currently am and actually use this as a map to continue to grow and develop and integrate? And every time I'm able to help someone understand that the reason why I have this personality can be tracked back to this moment or these moments in my childhood, it opens up a new level of awareness for them where they're able to say, wow, I didn't realize that my inner 10-year-old and my inner 12-year-old was continuing to run the show um, and I'm leading a team of 100 people. This is absolutely nuts. And so how do I actually acknowledge that inner child, take care of it, but then offer up and offer forward a very generative and creative response It's not in reaction, but instead is about the vision that I'm looking to create as a leader within the organization. Fantastic. Fantastic. Our next question is the sliding doors question. Oh, my goodness. Um, Wow. 
Yeah, this is, it is really kind of hitting me in this moment about the sliding door moment. I don't know if I've ever heard anyone describe it in that way, but um, in 2019, my life was perfect. Um, I had the perfect job. I had the perfect partner, um, intimate partner. I had the uh, perfect friends. Everything was just perfect. And then a thread got pulled. My partner decided we're not going to be in a relationship anymore. And all of a sudden, my work started to unravel. My friendship started to unravel. And I was at a point in my life where I had to take my own coaching and really figure out how to support myself. And what came out of it was such a deep level of inquiry around why am I where I am right now? Who told me to be here? What are the things, the beliefs, the conversations that I listened to up until this point that brought me here today? And was my life actually perfect? Or was I living someone else's perfect life, which is why it had to unravel? And that experience is actually the source for the book that I'm currently writing. It's called Imposter No More, How to Tell the Truth and Start Living Authentically. And it's about my own journey and supporting other people and figuring out where does authenticity lie within me and how can I shut the, the imposter and move forward in such a way where I'm seeing myself the same way I saw myself at five years old, completely clear-eyed, down, ready to go, um, but in the life of my dreams, not someone else's life. Fantastic. Thank you for being vulnerable and sharing that um, mm -hmm. beautiful part of your journey. I can't wait for the book. Yes, please. All right. Next question is our favorite. We call it the holy grail question of coaching. It is in one to a maximum of three words. Can you tell us what you think makes a great coach? Presence. You can have two more qualities if you want. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, and I, I think when we are present, we are clear as to what is transpiring, what's happening, what's emerging, what's evolving, what's needed, what's wanted, and how to show up as a result. And to me, coaching begins and ends with presence and how we show up for that conversation for that client in the moment. Mm, I love it. And it's even how you and I are showing up right now. It's how, you know, even when people are listening to the podcast and, and truly listening, um, compassionate listening. I love it. That's um, presence is so, so important. Thank you for that beautiful reminder. And finally, our last question is where we ask you to ask us a question. What's that one question that sparks your curiosity. Mm -hmm. How are you taking care of yourself? That is the number one question I ask any coach or anyone who is in a helping profession. Mm -hmm. We always hear that you can't pour from an empty cup, but we oftentimes forget about in the process of pouring on empty, we will still scrape at the bottom of our cups to try and provide some sense of sustenance and moisture for other people. And we're actually damaging the cup. And how often, because we're not taking care of ourselves, we're not investing in ourselves, we aren't taking the time to love ourselves, are we actually not contributing what we intended to contribute to our clients because there's nothing there? We are literally on empty. And so what our clients are experiencing is actually empty. 
And what happens when we pour into ourselves is that our clients experience overflow. And I don't know about you, but I remember the first time I saw a waterfall, I went to Jamaica with my family when I was a kid and I looked at Duns River Falls and I was like, wow, look at how the water is pouring over and then pouring into this really beautiful river. And what happens when we see ourselves in that way, that we are pouring over, that there is overflow and someone can just dip their cup in and say, wow, there's more than enough here. I can take a piece, but I'm also leaving you with so much. I'm not draining you to the point where you don't have anything left. Fantastic. I love that. It just taps into the energy and that beautiful energy, rich energy of waterfalls. I love it. Fantastic. Well, listen, thank you so much for being on the show. And if it's okay with you, because I'm just loving our chat and I don't want to leave you just yet. Do you mind if we do a short extended little interview? Is that cool? Let's do it. All right. Beautiful. So now I get to go a little bit rogue. <laughs> um, I'm going to start with asking you one of my, another one of my favorite questions that I love to ask uh, when I meet other beautiful, successful coaches. Um, what's been your most successful failure? Most successful failure. There are so many. <laughs> I'm just thinking about the number of times I've I've fallen flat on my face mm-hmm. and the process of picking myself back up was so rich. So I'll share. Um, it's about eight years ago, I was a, a hotshot, I thought it was. And um, I had the opportunity to move from just being a learning and development manager to actually being a director of talent uh, for an organization. So owning all of human resources and talent end to end. And I was bright eyed and bushy tailed. And I, I went into the organization having expectations of who the leaders were going to be and how I was going to show up. And that was not how it happened at all. And I had completely uprooted myself from Georgia to New York City. Um, and I'd never lived in a big city before. I grew up in Michigan. Um, so this was a big deal for me to just take this leap of faith and to take this head of talent position and really just go for it. And three days after I started, I was fired. Oh, wow. And I was told that they were looking for somebody who was really ready um, for the position and they didn't feel like I was. Um, And a part of that was because I'd given some feedback to the team about things that I saw that were unethical and moral um, and that I I didn't feel like had a place in an organization that was looking to drive an HR and talent agenda forward. And what I learned from that is that I shouldn't be in such a rush to run from where I once was to get to somewhere else, Mm -hmm. that the value is actually finding something to run to. Mm -hmm. So because of that, I was looking to exit my old job. I took this one. I was like, yep, it's going to get me in New York. I'm going to be able to do all of this cool stuff. And I didn't tap into the inner me who had sat throughout the entire interview process and when the first day that I walked into that building, this is not it. Get out, get out, get out. And because I didn't listen to myself, I had to sit for three months in New York, biting my fingernails, using up all of my savings and working on my PhD at the time. That was the only thing that really kept me sane in order for me to finally get to another space where I had a friend that introduced me to the organization that I went to work for. I became a consultant, had one of the greatest careers of my life. And it, and it, it, it taught me what I was actually worth. Mm -hmm. And that wealth was possible if I aligned 
where I went to, how I invested my time with the inner me that was calling forward a passion, a depth of, of what it meant to help and inspire other people. Fantastic. Wow. What a great story. You, yeah. you, you, I could do just so many of these, just little gems, hidden <laughs> gems. It was harrowing when it happened, though, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, tell me about, uh, I know that you work with a lot of speakers, mm-hmm. um, I, I noticed on um, in your bio. And so what, what do you think is the biggest thing, you know, people say next to death, you know, speaking is one, one of the biggest fears. Where do you think that? comes from um you know because as you said as a five-year-old most five-year-olds are they love to speak uh so i mean not everyone of course but where do you yeah what, what are your thoughts around um what stops people from stepping into their greatness as speakers Absolutely. Um, so I, this probably is a bit of a plug here, but I, I became a certified public speaker through an organization called Own the Room. Absolutely fantastic. If anybody ever needs to learn about public speaking or become a better communicator, that's where you want to go. Uh, but one of the greatest things that I learned um, through working with this organization is that people are so self-possessed that that is actually what creates the fear of public speaking. You are in your head thinking about yourself, what you ate for breakfast. If you're going to trip over your words, will you remember your lines? Is the clicky thingy going to (laughs) work when you actually advance your presentation? So self-possessed that instead of focusing on the content and the audience, you are focused on you and then you trip up and then you get scared. And the reality about being a great public speaker is that you have to get over yourself because it is absolutely about your message and the person that was intended or people that were intended to receive that message as you're delivering it. And when you get over yourself, you start to relax into whatever I bring is exactly what I'm supposed to espouse in this moment. Mm. And what some of your favorite coaching tools around helping people get over themselves? (laughs) Ah, Oh my goodness. Um, practice as silly as it might sound and practice by recording yourself on video. So oftentimes when we are focused on a presentation or something that we have to deliver to somebody, we just sit and practice it. We might practice it in the mirror if we're, you know, if we're brave enough, but then typically what we'll do is we'll just sit in front of our laptop and talk through it and say, I'm ready. You're not, you have no idea how you've actually shown up and performed. And so when you record yourself, you can actually see the moment that you got into your head, the moment where you were too focused on what happened on that slide. Mm -hmm. And because of that, you're able to really utilize all of that knowledge and then begin to release the preoccupation because you've already seen yourself, you've already given yourself feedback. And so now when it's time to actually give the presentation, you're just ready. You're ready to speak. You're ready to give it all you have and you're ready to really pour into your audience fantastic love that advice uh and it helps find your presence doesn't it you come back coming back to presence speaking of presence with a lot of the companies i know that you've you've sort of spent some time you know with facebook's and google's and these companies that are 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 in a hurry you know they are time is 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 speeding along and you said before that you want to get things done quickly and i'm sure we've all got kpis at times, how do you uh, help people 
especially through the coaching lens cap to sit into their, you know, being truthful and their authenticity and and just being present and taking care of themselves. Some of your three key messages that we've heard throughout this interview. But how do you do that in a world where time is just going so quickly? Mm-hmm. Uh, to be fair, I think that in addition to preoccupation with self, we're also preoccupied with time. And I do believe that a lot of that comes from a fear that we don't have enough time, that there is not enough time, that time is somehow running out. And it's true, we're all dying. (laughs) The moment we were born, we all started dying. And what does it actually mean for us to step back and say, if it wasn't about time, but it was about how meaningful is this experience, how would you be approaching it differently? So oftentimes when I'm working it with clients, that thread comes through in a postmortem. It's in our reflection. It's in our retrospect- retrospective when we realize or when they realize, huh, maybe I didn't have to go so fast. Or maybe it was because I didn't take, it to, take the time to involve my team in this decision um, that we're in the situation that we're in now. And now I said I don't have time, but now I have to find a month to be able to do a correction of error on this particular mistake that I made because I didn't take 30 minutes in a team meeting to talk through all of the options. So it's almost about recognizing what happens when they go so fast, the impact that it makes, um, the lack of efficiency and effectiveness and, and, and the increased cost that comes along with it, that then inspires them to take a moment, take 10, take 15 minutes to just be present to, if it's individually, how am I showing up to this conversation? How do I want to show up to this conversation instead of how I've been showing up? And what do I need to do? Two minutes before a meeting starts, before a team meeting happens, saying, I'm only going to speak twice in this conversation. And every other time that there's an opportunity for to speak, I'm going to be a compassionate listener and I'm going to sit or I'm going to ask a question and I'm going to be the coach and just notice the differences. It's always in the postmortem. It's the hindsight that really enables them to be successful. And then it turns into four. Foresight. And I've seen that be most successful in a world where we're all moving at a breaknecking pace. Mm, fantastic. Thank you. Uh, and finally, I would love just to tap back into the inner child that you spoke about earlier and going back and being, uh, you know, having an awareness of the inner child. Is it something that you, in your coaching um, practice, do you work with your clients in? Is it about tuning into that inner child um, and listening better? Or is it, yeah, tell me more about um, how you coach through that. Yeah, so so, so typically I I bring it forward as we're talking about and debriefing the results that they have in their Enneagram assessment and then noticing that it stems from the experiences of the inner child. And then from there, it becomes um, almost a bit of an alarm Um, that gets signaled for them when they notice I'm making a decision right now, I'm speaking up, I'm having a conversation, and I notice that the not so great attributes of my type are emerging. That's when I know that it's the inner child that's looking to fulfill this motivation to be liked or this motivation to be unique or this motivation to be in control. 
And then now that I know that this part of my type is what is emerging, um, we use in the Enneagram, you have some types that you're directly connected to based on the way the framework is set up. And so you begin to rely on those friends. Um, It's almost like an inner community or an inner network that you work with where you say, well, how would this type interact in this situation? Or what advice would this type actually give me? And it creates a grounding around what is currently emerging where you've got five different alternatives to how to approach the situation versus where that inner child who might be wounded or might be feeling like they're not seen and not heard in this moment may engage in or push forward a reaction that you would otherwise regret moving forward. So it's about presence, recognizing what's happening through awareness, and then offering up choices that are different than what that inner voice might be saying, but instead creates a grounding and more neutral space to be able to generate and create from instead. Mm, Fantastic. Because of course, if we keep doing what we've always done, we get what we've always got. (laughs) Definition of insanity. (laughs) And sooner or later, we all sit down to a banquet of consequences. I love that one as well. So, um, well, listen, um, Dr. Nandi, you have been an absolute delight to have on the show. So many important messages. Uh, one last, one last tip. What's your favorite tip for our coach listeners out there? What just came up for me is listen to your heart. I don't know why. <laughs> I try to listen to myself and whatever is whatever's coming up as, as a way to, um, honor what's needed in the moment. And so what I just heard was listen to your heart, whatever your heart is bringing forward, whatever it is telling you um, to do, to say, to connect, um, listen to it. We've spent a lot of our lives listening to society, um, listening to the patriarchy, listening to things that confine us and imprison us. Um, but there's something that's deep inside of us that is not based on our wounds or our trauma, um, but based on who we are at our core and what we've been called to do in this life. So I encourage you to listen to your heart, um, to connect to it, to honor it, and watch what unfolds in your life, the true authenticity um, and truth of who you are um, that comes forward because you decided to say yes to you. Fantastic. And make it overflow like the waterfall. (laughs) And everyone, please take care of yourself. Thank you so much for being on the show. Take care, everybody. Thanks, Emma. The Coaching Podcast was brought to you by Emma Doyle and Simon Blair. Emma Doyle is a global speaker and performance coach helping unleash human potential. Her website is emmadoyle.com.au. And I'm Simon Blair, trainer, assessor, and coach of sales and customer service skills with my own company, Five Degrees. Connect with me on LinkedIn or email me at simon.blair at five degrees, that's F-I-V-E-D-E-G-R-E-E-S dot com dot A-U.